for listening to the Downtown Community Church Podcast. My name is Delaney Stoner, and I'm the Families Director here at DCC. DCC is located in downtown Tallahassee, Florida, and our heart is to reach the city by loving God, making disciples, and being great neighbors. We'd love to have you join us as we gather each Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. If you would like to make a financial contribution, learn more about DCC, or contact us, please visit downtowncommunitychurch.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon and thank you for being a part of our mission as we continue to spread the gospel to Tallahassee and beyond. We're going to be in James chapter 3. And of course, James, as we know, is, is just one of the most practical, relevant, real scriptures in all the Bible. For every season... For every person, for every situation, there's truth to be contained in James and in hearing his word. And I want to tell you ahead of time, going in, but I don't, don't freak out. I promise you, you'll get there. And I think in the end, the Lord will tie it all together for you. But here's what we're going to do today. In six verses, just in these six verses, we're going to look at two types of wisdom. We're going to look at three tests or evaluations of how you discern what is godly wisdom and what is not. We're going to look at six admonitions or directions on where to place our focus, where to place our eyes, what to look for, to look to, and then the eight characteristics of godly wisdom. And it's all found in these six verses before us today. So in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where every evil and self-seeking, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we are truly thankful to be in your house this morning. And Lord, to have your book, your word, your instruction manual for this life open before us. Lord, to have your spirit here in this place to teach us, to guide us into all truth. Lord, to give us wisdom. And Lord, we just come before you now, acknowledging that you are God, we are not. That we long and we, learn, we, we yearn to learn from you and to grow and to be changed by what we hear here today. May you be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. So those six verses. But again, truly, this whole book is wisdom. The whole book from cover to cover is wisdom. And again, how to live this thing in life. And so for a little more background, a little more build up. And why is this so important that we understand wisdom and what true wisdom is, godly wisdom is. We're going to do just go back and look at a couple of things. But it is, as we all would readily recognize, is a precious commodity, is it not? Because when there's wisdom, there's great decisions, there's great insight, there's great behavior. Good, positive things happen. But in the absence of wisdom, what is there? Confusion, chaos, disappointment, hurt, so many things take place. Wisdom is an attribute that we greatly admire in others. 
and a personality trait that we all long for and hope that we possess and obtain. And our focus today on these six verses, but literally this entire book speaks of it. You know, you don't have to know everything, but you do have to know where to find it. And again, this book is a great place to start. One example in this book is the life of King Solomon. As you may know in in the scriptures, it says that that Solomon asked of God wisdom. God came to him and said, Solomon, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you anything you want. What do you want? He says, I asked for wisdom that I may lead the people, that I may discern how to judge and lead the people. And God says, because you've asked wisely, I'm going to give you that and wealth and riches and so many other things as well. God gave it to him. But we also can learn from Solomon, wisdom can be fleeting. We can possess it in one moment or in one situation or in one opportunity, and it can be gone the next when we turn back to ourselves or to our flesh or to our own desires. The book of Proverbs itself is called the book of wisdom. And there's so much to be gained and learned from the, from the scriptures that are in there. In fact, I will tell you, if you don't have, or if you want an additional, if you, any particular day you don't have a specific uh, quiet time or daily reading or something that you want to do, take the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Read one for each day of the month. It's great wisdom, great wisdom, great insight to be gained from there. And speaking of wisdom in the Bible, trivia question on wisdom. What is the center verse of the universe, of the, universe, of the Bible? And if you know it, shout it out. Somebody tell me. If, the, if there's a verse in the Bible that there's the same amount of verses in front of it and behind it. It's in Psalm 118.8. Let me read it to you. And it says this in Psalm 118.8. It says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. The center verse of this book, the core issue of the Bible is trying to help us understand that wisdom it's not looking within, but it's looking up and finding our help, finding our hope, finding our resource, finding our, every, our salvation, our everything in the God that's above us. In fact, in Psalm chapter 8, just a couple other verses, 118, I'm sorry, in verse 6, it says, the Lord is on my side. Understand that and know that. And that's one reason I'm so confident by the end of this that we will have an understanding of what wisdom is and how to obtain it because God is on our side. He wants us. To get this because this glorifies him it's good for us and it causes us to be a blessing to others but in verse 6 it says the Lord is on my side I will not fear what can man do to me the Lord is for me among those who help me therefore I will see my desire on those who hate me it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes and then in the Proverbs, I read it earlier. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but just a couple. And then these are, these are just a couple of verses that I want to do. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Kind of telling us the value of wisdom, but also the caution when we avoid it or we rebuke it or we don't accept it and embrace it. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 9, verse 10 in Proverbs, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The knowledge of the Holy One, the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God is the beginning. It's the essence. 
It's the absolute critical necessity in obtaining and finding and living in wisdom that will change your life. In chapters 2 and 3 of the Proverbs, they're almost exclusively about wisdom. And I know that's not our study. I'm just saying these just, as a, again, as a backdrop for our teaching today. But in chapter 2 and chapter 3, and I'm going to read in chapter 3, four verses. In chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. A good thing? Oh, yeah. A very good thing is the wisdom that comes from above. And one last one before we move back over to James. In chapter 12 of Proverbs, verse 15, it says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. He who heeds counsel is wise. This counsel, the counsel of the Holy Spirit residing within us, showing us right from wrong, that is wisdom. Now, if we go back to James chapter 3, well, I'll back up just a minute before we get to just a little refreshing. Again, I'm so thankful for, for Ben and for DCC doing the teaching the way they are and going through the book of James. I just think it's so um, beneficial and, and insightful for us as believers to know this is God's order. This is God's way. This is what he has for us. But in teachings that we've already had earlier this month on the book of James, if you remember back in chapter 1, you had these two verses. In chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given him. If we lack wisdom, God says, ask me. I want to give it to you. I just want to give it to you in my terms, in my way, so that you understand it's not about you. It's about the God that you serve and the God that provided this for you. And then in verse 17 of chapter 1, it says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom, <clears throat> with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So the wisdom from Him is from above. He is from above. We ask, He gives. It is a good gift. It is a perfect gift. It is one to be earnestly sought after. Now, let's turn to chapter 3 and dig into our scriptures that we have today. I mentioned earlier that there's two types of wisdom. Well, let's read it first, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go through it more. Just these six verses. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of fear. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where every evil, for, for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And we'll go into it and dig into it a little bit more in verse by verse. But do you see here that there's two wisdoms? There's godly wisdom versus satanic wisdom. There's worldly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. Or the way I like to think of it, there's heaven-given wisdom versus hell-driven wisdom. 
See the difference? There's one that is a gift from God that's for our benefit and for our good, and we can absorb it. We can take it in. We can meditate upon it. We can dwell on it. We can live in it, and it will bring fruit and good things to our life. But there's another wisdom from straight from the pits of hell that drives us to things that are harmful, that are things that won't please God, that things that will separate us from him. And there's just three tests or these three evaluations that we have when we look at wisdom that we see in this scripture. And we'll go through a little bit more in depth, but I'm just trying to repeat it so that we kind of understand it and grasp what, what God is showing us here. The first is the outcome or the evidence or the fruit in somebody's life. Is it, are they known for being wise and understanding or are they envious and self-seeking? And then secondly, because of that, because of what's manifest in their life, what is, you can tell by, them, by the evidence or by the fruit in their life, what is their goal? What is their objective? What is their focus in life? Is it God? Is it pleasing him, glorifying him and serving others? Or is it satisfying self, pleasing self, taking care of self? There's a difference. And then that will in turn let us understand what is the source or the origin or the initiator of this wisdom. Is it God himself? And is it all the characters, the characteristics of God and the goodness of God? Or is it again selfish or demonic or worldly? But now let's look and dig deeper into these six verses. And here's where we see the six admonitions or the six directions, if you will, on where to look and how to look for wisdom. The first is in verse 13. So look around. First thing we need to do is look around. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. We need examples. We need positive role models. We look for those things. I encourage you to look, surround yourself with those people that have wisdom, that possess wisdom, that honor God with their life and their decisions and all that they do. Shun those. Stay away from those that do the opposite. But where do we find them? It says, let them, let their lives be witness and evidence to this truth and reality in their life by their good conduct. Good conduct, good behavior, good actions, good lifestyle, a positive lifestyle. And it says wisdom leads to that kind of behavior, that kind of action, that kind of manifestation of God's spirit alive in each and every one of us. And it says in the meekness of wisdom. And we think of meekness often, we think of what? Strength, because we think of meekness as weakness, but it's not. Meekness as in returns to strength or power is just strength or power under control. And with wisdom, the meekness of wisdom is the same thing. It's knowing what you know, that you know that you know that you know, despite the circumstances, despite the realities of people trying to speak negatively into your life, despite the temptations that might be there, despite the trials and, and adversities and tribulations and the things that trip us up that are a part of the realities of this life, despite all that, the meekness of wisdom saying, but I know my God and I know his word and I know he loves me and I know he has plans for me. I know he's good to me and hanging on to that in the midst of that, that lifestyle it's what we look for. Not one that's boastful or proud or arrogant. And not one that overcompensates for their fears and their anxieties they have by being brash or intimidating. We can discern not only what kind of wisdom we have, but we can discern the wisdom in others by these attributes or these personality traits or how they may conduct themselves. 
But instead, the meekness of wisdom is not fearful, but one that is humble, that's strong, courageous. You know, I learned years ago or heard a statement years ago that has just stuck with me. I used to come home every Sunday, Sunday evening from my little old church I grew up in and, and found a, I just was at a season in my life where I was just so hungry and just, I need more, I need more. And I'd come home every Sunday night and turn on the TV and there was a, a, a pastor out of uh, Texas, out of Dallas, Texas that I used to listen to years ago. And he used this statement one time and I so get it. But it said, a man with an experience is never at a loss to a man with an argument. Think about that. If you've experienced something, if you've experienced God, his goodness, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his love, nobody can take that away from you. You've experienced it. You know, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. That boldness, that strength, that peacefulness within is a meekness of wisdom. So first, we want to look around. Then in verse 14, we want to look within. Verse 14, it says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Wow. Starts here. We need to always remember this. So much of the strife and the strains and the tribulations and the trials and the relational problems that we have in this life are because we're so busy worried about everybody else instead of ourselves. It starts here. It starts in your heart and in my heart. And that's what he's trying to say. Start here. Look within. And instead of worrying about everybody else and trying to fix them, how about we recognize our own shortcomings, our own sins, our own failures, our own, our own needs. You know, and then this verse talks about, it says, do not boast and lie against the truth. Well, who is the truth? Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And who are we? Jeremiah 17, 9 reminds us that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand that? That's, that's a reality that each and every one of us has to come to that place of understanding that we get that. That, you know, within you lies no good thing except what God has placed in there. Because if left to ourselves, if left to outside of the influence of God and his grace and his mercy and his goodness into our life, we will be mean, we will be greedy, we will be lustful, we will be self-seeking, we will be power-grabbing, we will be all these things. But God will come in and change all that. That's what we need to do. So if there's bitter envy in your life or in my life or in someone else's life or there's self-seeking, do not boast and lie against the truth and act like you're not. That that's not there and that you're all right. And sometimes people think just because they yell loud enough or yell strong enough or, or say more words or more power or more intimidation or whatever like that, that you know, might is right. No, it's not. God is right. His wisdom is right. His truth is right. That's what we need to focus upon and look to. Verse 15. We've looked around and we've looked within. Now we need to look out. This is a warning. This is a caution. This is an admonition. Verse 15, it says, this wisdom, talking about the wisdom in verse 14, it says, this wisdom does not descend from above. We've already talked about where does wisdom come from? From above, godly wisdom. And every good and perfect gift comes from above. But this wisdom that we're talking about now, in contrast, does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. Great truth here in these verses, just reminding us that there are three temptations, three realities that are at war against you and what God would do in your life. 
The first is just the world, the world in which we live. It is broken. It is sin-filled. And there are so many trappings, so many temptations, so many things that will trip us up and, and keep us from finding all that God has for us. And we have to be aware of that. The second, we just read it in Jeremiah 17, is our own heart, our own sinful nature, our own self outside of the influence of God's goodness and love and mercy coming into our life where we seek nothing but to please and to satisfy ourselves. So it's a trapping. And of course, last is the demonic or satanic influence that's in this world. There is an enemy of your soul. There is a devil. And it says in the scriptures in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's a reality that we have to understand and know. There is an evil presence in this world, and he is after you to keep you from the things of God and the fullness that God has for you. But that verse goes on to say, but I, Jesus, have come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. You may have it abundantly. So we need to look out. And in verse 16, we need to look down, not look out and be aware, but also look down and see just how bad it can be and just how bad it can get. So this is just a, a continuation, if you will, of the admonition. In verse 16, it says, for where envy, it's not calling it bitter envy now, it's just saying envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. So if you have the envy, if you're more worried about everybody else, or you're more worried about proving yourself right and them wrong, or you're more worried about, you know, how you look or how this is satisfying and meeting your needs or, or your expectations or your priorities or whatever like that, then just know that's a, that's a toehold. That's a foothold that Satan has in the door to allow everything else to come in. And do we not know that from experience? That just a little sin leavens the whole bunch it destroys it all. Just a fly in the ointment destroys it all. And we allow just a little absence of, of God's fullness in our life. We just allow a little compromise or a little, a little slip of, of, of our sinful nature. And it, it just makes it so much harder to close that door completely. And Satan and all his demonic influence will just come rushing in. Again, just to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We have to know this and we have to understand this. You know, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 it says God is not the author of confusion but of peace so confusion begins the absence of God the absence of his peace the absence of his wisdom and we want that peace that comes only from him so we've looked around we've looked within we looked out we've looked down now the transition what we live for verse 17 it says but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Our help is from above. Our help is above. He is above. He's above the, the circumstances and the realities and the situations and the temptations and, and the perceptions and the thoughts and, and the craziness that sometimes we can find ourselves believing unless we absorb ourselves and involve ourselves in knowing truth and knowing his love and knowing his light and letting his light come into our life and drive away all the darkness his love come in and cast out all the fear his power come in and help us to live a life that we cannot live any other way than by, by his grace and his power and his mercy in our life so now we see the eight characteristics of godly wisdom 
The first one, look at it there. It says what it is. It's pure. It's not tainted. It's not blemished. It's not adulterated. It's good. It's honest. It's true. Like he is. Holy. Pure. Righteous. You know, so much that we see in this life and, and it, it, this, this day of, uh, just with the technology and the advertising and just, you know, people can spend things so much and you really don't know who to believe or what to believe or why to believe or any of these kind of things. Here's what you believe. Here's who you believe. And this is why. Because he brings pre- peace to your life and there is a purity to him and to what he gives us. Every good and perfect gift, good and perfect gift comes from above. The second attribute it's peaceable. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. You want perfect peace in your life? Keep your mind, keep your thoughts, keep your attentions on him. Trust him. Even when it's all dark and it's confusing and you don't understand or you don't like it, just know that he is there and that he is good and that he is love. And that he will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He will give you a peace that passes all understanding. I mentioned earlier about Proverbs 2 and 3. Proverbs 3.17, just one verse in particular. It talks about wisdom being, being in the sheep pronoun. It says, her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. You want peace in your life? Know God. Know his truth. Know his wisdom. Let him fill your life with it. The third aspect or the third attribute is gentleness. It says it's gentle. We remember back in verse 13 that we studied it in the meekness of wisdom. So right there and again now we get this idea. And it's a way for us to discern. Are we caught up? Are we anxious? Are we worried? Are we kind of, you know, are our feathers ruffled up or whatever? Or somebody that's coming to us wanting to speak wisdom in their life, are they kind of out of character, out of sorts, and kind of aggressive and intimidating with this? If there's not a gen- gentleness, if there's not a gentle, sweet spirit there, it's not from God. And we need to look at those other things that, that are there. In Galatians 5, we know that the fruit of the Spirit, that one of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. It is a gift of God. It is fruit that he produces in our life when we just allow him in. We decrease that he might increase. We allow him to come in, take control, get rid of the parts of us that we don't need and fill us with you, Lord. And one of those things that he will is provide us gentleness. Number four, willing to yield. In other words, the wisdom that's from above is humble. And the person that possesses it is teachable. We're others-minded. In Philippians, we're told to esteem one another as better than yourself. That's the attitude that wisdom will give us. Wisdom will allow us and help us to understand, not only understand it and to quote it, but to live by the golden rule, to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's being submissive to God, to his sovereign authority in our life, to his wisdom and to his judgment, and then being yielded to other people as far as place, position, importance, influence, prestige, any of those things. Let them have that. You just be right with this one. All these relationships will take care of themselves. Number five, full of mercy. Is that not truly one of the greatest things that we have found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with our Heavenly Father? The mercy to say, I'll forgive you of your sins. The mercy to say, I see you in the pit, and I'll come get you. The mercy 
that says, I know you can't, but I can, and you can through me. And when we've been washed in that mercy, when we've been bathed in that mercy, when we've been immersed in that mercy, and they're going to have a baptism here soon, when we've gone under in that mercy to say, I am dead to that, to be raised to a new life, that new life's going to be one that shows mercy because you know what mercy is. It's been extended to you. And in return, in response, we give that mercy back out to others. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, it talks about blessed are the merciful. And it is another characteristic or manifestation of God's spirit, of wisdom. Number six, it says it's full of good fruits. We're going to look at more of this in verse 18. But again, the fruit of the spirit. We're seeing a theme here that this is something God does within us. He gives us this wisdom and he shows us how to let it be manifest, let it be produced, let it come to full fruition, let the the fruit ripen, if you will, so that it is something that's savoring and sweet and and pleasing to those that come in contact with. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's the whole point. When his love, his mercy, his grace, and his spirit flow to us and upon us, it's so that it can go out to others. And we can be full of good fruits. Attitudes are contagious. An attitude that's right with God will make us right with others. The seventh one is without partiality. Love this one. Again, in our, in our climate, in our culture that we live in today, there's, there's so much favoritism, so much things, things that seem to go on sometimes. And we want to say, that's not fair and that's not right. And we get mad about this, that, and the other and all. But with God and with his wisdom, there's no partiality. There's no favoritism. In Romans, we, we are told that God is no respecter of persons, and neither are we to be. It's level ground around the cross. There's one God, none of us are him. All of us, the equality of humanity, we're all sinners in need of a Savior, people in search of wisdom and truth and hope and light that is found only in him. And he offers, offers it to all without partiality. Whosoever will, let him come. He's not willing that anybody perish, but all come to repentance. The whosoever's and the anybody's, all of us, without partiality. And then number eight, without hypocrisy. There's no ulterior motive, no hidden agenda, no pride or vainglory. But this wisdom is authentic. It's real. It's genuine. It's pure and honest and righteous and true and holy, like the source of the wisdom that he's given us. And now verse 18. One more time. Now we're going to look around, but the first time we looked around, we were looking for it. We were looking for examples. We were looking to see, oh, there it is. Oh, that's not it. This time, I want you to look around. I believe the scripture would have us look around with wisdom. Look around and see opportunity. Look around and see places that you can minister. Look out and see who is your neighbor that you can help. Look Look around and see who can you speak truth and encouragement and light and hope into their life. Who can you speak a word of admonition to and exhortation? That's what we want to do now. What does this godly wisdom do? It produces fruit and it promotes peace. It produces fruit and it promotes peace. Fruit, we've talked about it. This will be the third time now. It's kind of a clue. It's what the Spirit gives and produces in us. And He even produces this spirit of righteousness within us. Not our righteousness. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But the fruit that He produces, the fruit of righteousness, is Jesus Christ's robe of righteousness that is wrapped around us. And the inside, the heart transplant that takes place, it changes from the inside out and makes us no longer want to be that person anymore, but be something new and different, a new creation in him that lives a life of righteousness for his glory and for, and for the good of others. 
His wisdom helps us live this life of righteousness and having that good conduct that we spoke about earlier as opposed to the deceitful, desperate heart that we have within us. And then it says that it's sown or it's developed or it's made in peace. In peace. Such an elusive term. Kind of like wisdom. But it is obtainable. But it's obtainable in him. In him alone. It says we make peace because we are covered and we are controlled. We are governed by the God of peace. You know, again, I'll go back to Psalm 118.8. The whole issue, the core issue, the central issue of it all is that turmoil that we have even within ourselves of lack of peace and finding peace. And if we're making peace with the world, we're not going to be at peace with God. If we're making peace within just ourselves, you're not going to be at peace with God because God loves you so much. He wants to change you. We are to change to be like him, not him come to us to be, to, to, to be like us. He's the holy, righteous, pure, and just one. But he comes into our life to change us, to give us a peace. And when we have peace with him, then we can have peace with others. It's not, it is man versus God, self versus God, the world versus God, Satan versus God. Romans 7, Paul talks about it. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I, that I, that I should do, I, I don't do. The things that I, I want to do, I can't do. Who's going to deliver me? Christ Jesus. That relationship, that wisdom that comes from him. One more bonus point to just another wisdom statement from Proverbs. When we're looking around to, it says in Proverbs 11.30, it says, he that wins souls is wise. You want evidence that, your wisdom, that you have godly wisdom in your life? Are you sharing your faith? Are you winning others to Jesus? You don't win them. I get that. I understand that. But are you sharing your faith? And has God poured his wisdom into you to the point that people see something? I see something in you that I want. That's godly wisdom. That's what he makes available to us. That we can live in righteousness. That we can make peace. And that we can win souls. Wisdom says to know and to trust him alone. Because he is worthy. As I close, I'll share one more quote that I heard often when I started my police career, which is the other one about it. You don't have to know everything, but you have to know where to look. The book, that's a great analogy for that. Another one that we used often, it says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You've heard that one. That was in the world. And there's great truth in that. A lot of times it's not what you know, but you've got to know the right people in the right places. It's all about networking, relationships, and all that kind of stuff. But can I tell you spiritually? Oh, man, is that a profound truth? It is not what you know. It is who you know. Do you know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life and of your soul? Because without him, there is no peace. Without him, there is no godly wisdom. We must know Jesus. We must know his word. We must know his spirit to discern when it's speaking to us. We must know God the Father and how he works. And if we don't ask Again, in Matthew, he says, ask, ask, seek, knock, and keep doing it till you get it. He wants us to get it because we are his creation, created for his glory. And he wants us to sit and say, yes, this is who you were. And yes, this is how you were caught and enslaved and addicted and all these kind of things. But I can deliver you from that and make you this. But you have to let me do the work. And you have to let me have the glory. You do not touch the glory of God. But when we'll do that, that is wisdom. It will change your life. It will change the life of those around you. It can change the world for our good and for his glory. There's two types of wisdom, his 
and in anything else, any kind of counterfeit. There's three tests, the evidence of the fruit in someone's life, which kind of dictates and kind of lets us know, gives us a clue as to the goal or objective or the focus of their life. But ultimately, it's the source, the initiator, the originator of the wisdom that they have. And there's eight characteristics of it. And we've talked about them. Pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, merciful, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And then there's one God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek him. Know him. Let him give you wisdom. Trust him in all things. Wisdom to see it in yourself. Wisdom and discernment to see it in others. For our good and for his glory. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. And Lord, for your spirit to illuminate your word and to bring it to truth for our eyes. Lord, the equality of humanity includes the thought that we've talked about here is, Lord, that we desire wisdom. We don't want to do stupid things. We don't want to do foolish things. But Lord, sometimes we just can't help ourselves. But Lord, that's part of the point is that we cannot help ourselves. But Lord, if we will allow you, the one who loved us so much that you sent your one and only son in this world to save us from our sins and to give us eternal, abundant life, that is wisdom. That is change. That is fruit that we desire. And Lord, not just for ourselves, but Lord, so that we might be a blessing, so that we might bring honor and glory to your name, for you are worthy. Lord, again, do the work that only you can in all of our hearts and minds, we pray. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. It's in Jesus' name that we ask it. Amen.